Welcome to Peace of Mind, the podcast about psychiatry and mental health. I'm Paul Gauci, the Communications Manager at the National Centre for Mental Health, and today I'm joined by Dr. Sophie Legg and Dr. Antonio Pardinas, and we're going to be talking about a new study looking at clozapine management in schizophrenia. Um, so if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Sophie Legg. I'm a postdoctoral researcher here at the MRC Centre. Uh, my name is Antonio Pardinas. I'm a lecturer and biologist here in the MRC Centre. Great. Um, so can you just give us a kind of brief overview of the study and what prompted the work? So we've been really interested in this adverse drug reaction for an antipsychotic called clozapine. And this drug reaction is called neutropenia and agranulocytosis. And this is when, when people are taking clozapine, they can have a sudden reduction in their neutrophil count. And this is a type of white blood cell that's used to fight infection. So if this blood level goes down and an individual has an infection, then that could prove fatal. And so because of this, people who take clozapine have to have regular blood tests to look for this side effect. Now, we've previously looked uh, for genetic risk factors for this side effect in those with European ancestry, but we wanted to also look in other ancestries to see if they have similar risk factors or different risk factors, and we wanted to look at those with an African ancestry. Now, this is particularly important for people with an African ancestry because we know that they're more likely to stop clozapine treatment due to neutropenia. So we thought there might be something interesting going on here. And yeah, this this is part of a, of a wider research program that we have that we have here in, in Cardiff under the, the direction of of, profe- of, prof- of Professor James Walters. And the idea, as as, so, as Sophie has said, is to look at the main complications that might exist uh, during clozapine treatment and to assess whether there is a biological basis for, for those, which we think that in many cases, because of the clinical patterns that have been observed, there might be some underlying biological basis be, be, be behind those complications, particularly neutropenia and its more severe version of granulocytosis. And we've done studies in, in European populations, and as part of a wider effort, uh, of a wider effort to, to include more representative samples of non-European populations, which are currently underrepresented in medical research mm-hmm. worldwide, nearly. So we've done this study on 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 an, on an African sample, and or well, we've been quite surprised because we. When we were when we started designing this study, we were looking for these causes of the particularly strong and severe side effect mm-hmm. of agranulocytosis. But in here, what we have found is essentially a, a mutation in a single part of the genome, mm-hmm. which makes people more likely to the not so severe effect of neutropenia. And this is a mutation that we did not find in any of the previous studies in European populations. We've only, fa- we've only found, found it here. And the reason is that this mutation is nearly absent in populations that do not have any African descent. And it's particularly interesting because when we 
looked at this mutation, we saw that it has quite a lot of literature. It was described by it was described by anthropologists in the in the early 50s, and there was a lot of work going on in the 60s, uh, because this is a mutation that you find in populations that have been subjected all through their history to malaria. Right. Okay. Because this mutation makes you more resistant to the malaria parasite. So in populations that have had a long history of exposure to malaria, then it's more likely that people with this mutation survive. So right. the frequency of this yeah. mutation over time gets really, really high. And in some places in Africa, it's around 80%. Now, malaria needs quite a dry and warm and well, actually, needs quite a, a dry, well, needs quite, in some places, needs a, dry, needs a warm and humid climate yeah. to process. In other places, needs a drier climate. But it's just not, it, Europe doesn't have the conditions yeah. for malaria to be widespread. So European populations do not have this mutation. And this is something that has, show, has showed us that these population differences can have some can have some relevance because if you have this mutation your chances of developing neutropenia when you're on close up in on close up in treatment increases greatly okay and so so what is the currently what's the the impact then if um clinicians detect neutropenia in patients who are prescribed clozapine so in the case that neutropenia is detected, clozapine needs to be immediately discontinued just in case it, it becomes a granulocytosis. Right. And that's because it's thought to be a drug reaction. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we found here. We didn't find it was a drug reaction. We found that this is an, a benign neutropenia, so it's not caused by clozapine. It's caused by a genetic mutation that leads you to have lower neutrophil levels. I think it's really important to say that although the neutrophil levels on average are lower in populations of an African ancestry, mm -hmm. they're not more likely to have infections, they're not more likely to have a granulocytosis. And evidence from other studies just show that those neutrophils that are circulating in your blood actually move to other tissues in your body so when you have a blood sample, it says you have neutropenia, but those neutrophils are still in the body. So yeah. that's why it's called benign. So it, it doesn't lead to any adverse outcomes. Yeah. Okay, and so if, if it doesn't lead to any adverse outcomes, what is, so is that in all cases? Or we don't yeah. completely know, but yeah, we think so. We, we show that having benign neutropenia doesn't lead to adverse outcomes, but that doesn't mean that adverse outcomes don't happen yeah. in this population. Yeah. Of course they do, um, but that's likely to be driven by another factor, not, not by the benign neutropenia. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. The concept of benign neutropenia has quite a long trajectory. It's mm -hmm. not something that we have established in this, in this research. And there are protocols in most countries to identify people which are known to be of majoritarily of African, of an African yeah. ancestry background, to identify people that might be prone to benign neutropenia, and then put those people on a different management scheme, which is more lenient, 
on the question of what your exact neutrophil levels are. Right. So for the majority of people, there is a threshold. If you go below that threshold, it's considered that the treatment might be doing something harmful to your neutrophils. So treatment yeah. is interrupted. In people with an assessed behind be benign antineutropenia, those thresholds are lowered. Right. So you are so you are, they're not as stringent. Now the key there is the word assessed. Yeah. There is quite a complex protocol at the moment to assess benign antineutropenia. You need a con you need a consultation with a with an hematologist. And essentially, it's a process that can be very long, takes time, and during which the person might not be getting an optimal management yeah. of their condition. Our idea is that if, as our results show, the majority of people with benign acne neutropenia might, with an African ancestry background, might have this mutation, yeah. then that makes this mutation a marker, an indicator of benign acne neutropenia. If you can assess this mutation prior to initiating treatment, then you should be able to determine the optimal threshold for that person based on whether it has the mutation or it hasn't. And then you should be able to put that person on the proper management scheme from a very early on. Of course, this is, this is, uh, this is something that needs more research, yeah. but or uh, or current project indicate that it might be possible and it's definitely an avenue to explore. Okay, and I, I guess that will have quite quite, a, quite an impact on uh, people who have treatment-resistant treatment schizophrenia then because, um, so we didn't really address earlier, so clozapine is, is generally prescribed for people who don't respond well to first-line treatments, is that, is that right? Yeah, so treatment-resistant schizophrenia, <coughs> sorry, is usually defined as as an individual having two antipsychotic treatments and not responding, and by not yeah. responding, we mean that their symptoms aren't improving. And we think this is happens in around 30% of people with schizophrenia, so it is really common. Now, clozapine, the antipsychotic we're talking yeah. about, is the only licensed medication for people with treatment-resistant schizophrenia. So not having access to that treatment because you have benign ethnic neutropenia shouldn't happen. Yeah. So we think that this blood test would help in two ways. So firstly, people who might not go on to clozapine because their initial neutrophil levels are too low could have access to the treatment. Yeah. And also it would stop this period where they have to have clozapine discontinued, interrupted treatment whilst they have a diagnosis of benign ethnic neutropenia. So if you do the blood test prospectively, then people can go on the right treatment arm yeah. right from the beginning. And the treatment arm for benign ethnic neutropenia, as Antonio said, is already established. So we're not suggesting any change to clinical care, yeah. just a better way of diagnosing benign ethnic neutropenia. Great. Um, and so what are, are you planning any more work in this area? Is there anything currently ongoing? So there's two things that need to be done, really. We'd, we'd love to see this uh, introduced as a genetic test, but for this to happen, we would firstly need to look at some safety studies to show that classifying based on the genotype doesn't lead to any adverse outcomes. So firstly, we would need to prove that that was the case. 
and secondly to work out how we would implement it as a genetic test and we're at the initial stages of those discussions really but we're really looking to take this forward. Yeah, we're particularly excited because this is a sort of a study that doesn't doesn't happen often in psychiatry. Psychiatry doesn't, at the moment, is not getting a lot of the benefits of genet medical genetics yeah. research. So, if if our study can lead with a lot of work, not only by ourselves, but I'm sure that by lots of other people, if it can lead to some sort of personalized or more personalized approach yeah. to psychiatry, then that is something that makes us makes us really excited. And also it shows nearly as a proof of principle that if this particular mutation is relevant yeah. for the management of neutropenia in during close-up in treatment, other drugs for other conditions that are not necessarily related to psychiatry that also have neutropenia and granulocytosis as a side effect, yeah. not all of them will be going through the same route. Some of them might actually do something harmful to white blood cells, but some of, the, some of them might benefit from a similar approach to the one we have taken for clozapine. Clozapine is not the only drug that has these side effects. Okay. Um, well, thank you, guys. I think, that, I think that's really interesting. Um, and so basically what we're going to do is if you want to find any more information out about the paper or access the paper, um, we'll make it available or link available to it from the NCMH website. So if you head to uh, www.ncmh.info slash podcast, you'll find all the information there. We'll put a couple of um, useful links to uh, more information on clozapine and schizophrenia on there as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye. Mm-hmm.